0: All
1: right, after a bit of a hiatus, a bit of technical difficulties, the Flex Squad is back. Hari and Mark are here to talk college football, to talk NFL, but first, let's recap the off season. Hari, how was your off season from the Flex Squad?
0: It's great, man. Playoff baseball, I got to watch the Braves lose three games. Uh, I got to watch the Phillies lose two of three games. It's the most exciting race. In all of sports. All right, Literally, this podcast is going to have a lot of sizzle. The end it's a lot of sizzle already starting. Philadelphia is a trash city filled with trash people.
1: That's an interesting take. And as you can hear, Mark, how, is, how was your offseason? Listen, offseason was great.
0: I uh, started <laughs> being the king of the offseason. The Eagles went to the Super Bowl, got married, bought a house. Now ready to focus on uh, the finer things in life. That's next uh, that's football season. So let's do it. All
1: right, let's do this before we run into any more technical difficulties because it seems like we're due. And I'm not even gonna try and get removing this. We're
0: on the brink right now of just <laughs> complete collapse. <laughs> <laughs> podcast is uh, holding on by its very last thread. We don't even have all the members here. All this garbage keeps happening. We can't stay connected. What a great podcast.
1: Oh man, it's the it's the net neutrality, Hari. It's finally coming into effect
0: is it this is what they're talking about thank you to all of our listeners for continuing to listen
1: in. <laughs> i mean i here I'd, I'd like to report that the the podcast has picked up traction we now have a, a united kingdom audience of futures and octagon employees so they're they're they're, they're, they're counting on this guys they're counting on this
0: god it's All right, your career. We, you know, we definitely won't disappoint you, everyone.
1: <laughs> Luckily, we're going to start off with a sport that's completely irrelevant across the pond, which is college football. And uh, the first line is Clemson at Texas A and M, plus eleven and a half over under fifty four. I'll I'll start with let's see, Mark, you're closest to this. So, what, what's your take on this game?
0: So my take on this game is you look, you look at the college football landscape and there's a, a clearly defined tier, in my opinion, at the top comprised of Clemson and Alabama. Uh, this Clemson team is, like, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is, like, literally off the chart. Like, the the, the Bill C. analysis of this defense, you look at the radar chart and it's just, like, like you you can't, on paper, you can't build a better defense. There are four tackles, their first and second stringers, on average, are six three three eleven, and combined for nineteen tackles for loss last year. Like this team, like th- they are only projected to be favored by less than fifteen points in two games this year. That's this game and Florida State, which I'm sure the Florida State line will have moved with what happened this week. So like this Clemson team is is like kind of in its own stratosphere with Alabama, and this A&M team is nothing special in my opinion. I mean, they have some athletes. They got a new coach. Obviously, Jimbo knows what to look for against Clemson, but this Clemson defense uh, with Brett Venables at the helm um, is just, just going to be too much, in my opinion. I like I, – like, how many points can we buy here? Like, Clemson's going to win this game by three touchdowns, I think. Just, like, I, I'm fairly confident in playing, what is it, 11-and-a-half taking the Tigers. That's
1: so – you know what? It's funny you say that because this line opened at thirteen and a half. It's obviously since moved to eleven and a half, um, in a And M's favor. And there's like anytime you try and do some research on this game, like all of the stats that get spit out speak about how a And M is going to be able to cover this. Like one of them is that Jimbo Fisher versus Dabo is like four, he's like three, four, and one against the spread, so more or less even. And they've split the the eight times they played when he was at Florida State. Um, each team won four games. Then the next right,
0: that is, I, I agree with that. But like this, like the last four years of Dabo Sweeney at Clemson have been like this is a different program. Yeah, no, that's true. Like, Dab- Dabo Sweeney used to lose to Georgia Tech. That that shit doesn't happen anymore. Just put
1: it that way. Side note: Did does everyone know Clemson's record in Atlanta over his last five games?
0: <laughs> what, like, like one in one in four.
1: One in four. Yeah, I was having an argument about the prominence of Georgia Tech football with a coworker and proceeded to look that up. So like, I feel like we beat be Clemson more often than even I remember. And then sure enough, we're one and four and one in the last five in Atlanta, but nonetheless, coming back to this game. Uh, the other, the other interesting tidbit I saw was that Texas A&M is 10 and zero in September in the last three seasons, which like, I mean, they play cakewalk teams. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, but all that to say, I think there's like six NFL teams, to your point, Mark, that would trade their defensive line for the Clemson defensive line, like right now, if they could, because their D-line is stacked. They have a senior quarterback and Kelly Bryant. Like, sure, they've lost some playmakers on the outside, but I don't know what's stopping another, like, Clemson-Alabama rematch in the national championship, because to your point, there seems like there's a tier. Maybe Urban Meyer, like, sneaks in with his Ohio State team, but... I'm buying some points. Give me Clemson to thirteen and a half. I'd be happy with that. I think they win by two touchdowns, to just like you said, Hari, What are your thoughts on this game?
0: So I, I agree with that. I'm going to give a slightly different take. I think the under is a smart play here because I don't think A and M holds its side of the bargain here. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a three touchdown game. And it's twenty eight to seven. Um, like I, I don't think they touch fifty four. Uh, so I, I would. You're thinking parlay this weekend. I think Clemson and the under is a good parlay as well. Ooh, interesting. The, the other thing I think that's interesting to note is that, like, I, I think the reason that, for obviously a reason that this line is 12 and not 16 is that it's in College Station, and people are kind of counting on this whole Kyle Field at Night intimidation factor. One, this Clemson team has played for a national championship several times in the last couple years. And two, like this, the AM fan base. Everyone I talk to you down here, like no one's excited for this game. You know, it's just like kind of this inevitable feeling of, oh, we're gonna lose. Hopefully, it's not embarrassing. Like, I don't think this is gonna be the kind of atmosphere that that Clemson walks into and is like completely overwhelmed. You know, with uh, with the noise and with uh, kind of the energy coming from the stadium. I think it's gonna be a. It's going to be a let's not get embarrassed kind of crowd, not a let's go be Oh, yeah, the number's looking so, in the country. So it's interesting you bring that up. If you look at FPI preseason and where they put Clemson and A&M, uh, so the idea is that A&M, they sort of, if you stimulated their entire season, they would have played a very close game against their plans. The oddsmakers say, or FPI says, that they're going to play a very close game against South Carolina in about four or five weeks. If they're playing close to South Carolina, and we see what Clemson does to South Carolina every year, I, like this can't be close. It's not going to be anywhere close. Um, and like, there's no way that they that they don't make they don't cover eleven and a half in this game.
1: I don't know. My sister did send me some social media. The uh, she's a you know attendee at the Texas A and M University of them uh, you know doing bonfires and shit on on Tuesday and Wednesday. So maybe they're getting hype, Mark. It's just. You know, we don't recognize it because we're not there. All that to say, I actually don't take any of their bonfires seriously. I think they're going to get smoked. But um, I, I imagine this fan base shows up for this game just because this is their, what, largest, like the biggest non-conference opponent they've played in, what, five, six years maybe? Because they've had, like, UCLA's I mean, yeah, The, pan- that the fan
0: base shows up because, like, it's Texas, and they get to go drink for 10 hours in the parking lot beforehand. But, like... I think as soon as Clemson punches them in the mouth, like I, I don't see this team being carried by, by the crowd.
1: Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's move on to the most exciting game of the weekend: the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets <laughs> at University of South Florida. Their uh, jackets favored by three over under fifty-nine and a half. Um, I'll get this one started, which is to say. Um, if there's anything I learned about this USF program, it seems like they were good because they had that crazy tagger coach who went on to FSU and then had to play in a big boy game and got absolutely destroyed, so I'm not a really a big believer in this team at all um, I also don't know the last time USF has had to face an option maybe you guys can shed some light on that, but call it uh, call it bias on my end, but I also have a bet that at some point Georgia Tech will be ranked this season um, with a coworker. Uh, I'm not feeling very good about that one, but I think we win this one. Um, this is like a classic Georgia Tech game that we'll win, and then we'll probably go on to like, lose the pit next weekend. But give me Georgia Tech uh, covering three. Hari, what's your thought on this game?
0: Uh, I am worried as a Tech fan. Um, I think there is... So actually, USS faces Navy a lot, so they do see the option a lot, uh, which is one of the worries. The other worry is they have a quarterback who just put up—I mean, again, it was against Elon, but 24 for 34 for 305, and he's going up against a secondary that is essentially made up of all freshmen. Uh, which is also a crazy fact about Georgia Tech: a guy who returned a punt last week. His birthday is June 29th, 2000. Yeah. Oh my God. Yep. Real young team. So, with all those factors, and then the added two factors are USF has uh, has an animatronic bull that they've introduced this season that blows smoke from its nose. So I just I don't see us I don't see us winning this game. I take USF straight up.
1: Wow. All right. USF money line. Mark, where are you going with this game? Also,
0: let me add to that. There's oh, a very yeah. real possibility that Georgia Tech is one in three after Clemson. I know and things are going to get very spicy on the flat.
1: It's just, I mean, all right. So quick side note to, to, as usual, bitch about Georgia Tech. So two weeks ago, we had our wonderful athletic director, uh, Mr. Dansbury, come up to New York and try and fundraise for the athletic program. And every time I feel like I hear messages from Georgia Tech Athletics, I get more and more depressed of our, our athletic situation. Like their whole thing is like, we are going to redo the complex. That's going to help us get recruits. And like the by the complex, I mean like where the ticket office is and all that stuff on the corner of Bobby Dodd and Techwood, if I recall correctly. Yes, uh, that's, correct. that's correct. Yeah, Jesus. Um, and like it was just interesting because he had Mark Teixeira helping him uh on this pitch and like you could tell like to was even frustrated traveling around this athletic department he's like i'm just here because i actually like the school um but the i even like you could sense from him even that the way things were run is just not good so um all that to say like hari even if we go one in three like what are we really gonna do about it which is probably nothing um and it's a sad thing to say but Man, I just hope we beat USF. Like, we can go on and lose to Pitt and Clemson, fine, whatever. But uh, I'd like to at least get a W W this week. Mark, what, what are we going to do?
0: Yeah, so I'm a bit torn on this one. So USF was, like, very respectable last year. They were ranked pretty much the entire season like and got as high as, like, 12 or 13, I believe. Um, their coach in his second year is the one and only Charlie Strong. Um, who kind of got run out of Texas, but like has proven at Louisville and last year that he's like exceedingly competent, if not a well above average coach. And for my money, is a way better coach than Paul Johnson. Uh, that being said, this Georgia Tech team actually brings back a lot of a lot of experience, especially especially in the offensive side. Um, you know, the, the offensive line is healthier than they've been in the last couple of years and has more experience. And I, I think the big thing that we're not talking about on the Tech team is that. Uh, the new defensive scheme. So, yes, um, yes. My boy, Nate Woody. Um, the the new D.C. has us in a 3-4. Uh, we kind of mixed it up a little bit more than we have with previous defensive schemes. And, you know, I think, it, if nothing else, it, it gives a bit of a different look and kind of keeps us in games. We had a shutout last week, which obviously against Alcorn State isn't anything to write home about. We have the program's for a shutout in, like, almost five years. So I think I think maybe you have a little bit of improvement on the defensive side of the ball from a scheme perspective. And, like, um, you know, USF lost their quarterback from last year, Clinton Flowers. I, I don't feel great about the pick, but I think I'd take the Jackets and lay the three points. I, I mean, the big takeaway is that this is, this is going to be a garbage football game. Like, noon in an NFL stadium yeah. with, with, like, an AAC opponent. Like, this is just pure trash. Like yo, We're going to get fucking run up by this quarterback. This guy's an Alabama transfer. He's going to put it on us. It's going to be 21 nothing. Just remember, we had Justin...
1: As yeah. good as Justin Thomas was as an Alabama transfer, we also went 3-9 and nine in a season. So, I don't know. We could, <laughs> we could drop those tidbits. The other... Like, I don't know. I'm surprised none of us are intrigued by the under as well. That was the other bet I was eyeing. Because, like, to your points, like, this it doesn't really feel like it's going to be a good football game. And, like, maybe there's some big plays busted out. But, like, yeah, I don't know if either of these offenses are competent enough to, like put you know like have like huge 60 yard chunks maybe it's just lapses on the defensive side but i don't know 60 points feels a little high to me as well like i could see this big right.
0: Thund- thunderstorms on
1: saturday oh rain comes through oh there you go oh, actually oh, I'm, I'm parlaying georgia tech then with the under the weather swayed me georgia tech has no
0: chance of holding onto a ball with the rain nope get out of here nope all right all right rapid fire question yeah good if, if go well, Johnson
1: gets fired at the end of this year.
0: Who, who would you like for Georgia Tech to
1: hire? To oh, we ask this every year. Oh, right. Hari, just say Mike Leach. You can get yours over with.
0: I was going to also say Lane Kiffin. Can I yeah. ask that also? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lane, come home, baby.
1: <laughs> oh, man. That's a great one. Um, I mean, I don't know. I could see, like, Hugh Jackson being available. Do we want him?
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, those are all great answers for very different reasons. Uh, yeah, Fisher, I think we should just bring a crazy coach in. This is a Rum Edwards model. Just bring an old crazy NFL coach in. An old
1: crazy yeah. ESPN announcer.
0: Rum Edwards didn't even know what their mascot was. He's not. He doesn't seem like a very good coach. Yeah, I want to know. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> what we're probably gonna do is just bring in the Navy coach. Yeah, keep keep, yeah. The, keep the system Can't going. Oh man, I yeah, I don't know. I I haven't I haven't watched enough or read enough college football to know who who I would like us to bring in. But <laughs> like we all hope for this at the beginning of the season, and then we know it's not going to happen. So what can you do? Let's right. move on to more yeah. interesting topics, which is the NFL, which I'm actually oddly excited about for this season because I'll and I'll get to this when I talk about our our cowboy. You know the over unders that we want to do. But in general, um, I don't know, this NFL season seems intriguing. So let's start with some uh, some team over-unders since we didn't get to do the full team over and under podcast um, given the offseason. And I'll start with the Cowboys, over, under, eight and a half. And I'll kick this one off. I do not see a way that we exceed eight and a half wins. That's like a crazy oh. Vegas line. Like... There is we we lack receivers we lack a secondary, um, and our like everyone else in our division is still good. I don't I don't see it. Uh, I think this team is like five and eleven, six and ten, um, and there's like some brutal brutal games that we have. There's a stretch where we play um, at the Eagles, at the Falcons, and then come back home for the Thanksgiving game, and then have the Saints, and then the Eagles again. Uh, that five game stretch uh, yeah it's like it's brutal even like Giants at home at Seahawks like don't really like that pairing um, even though that Seahawks game is a Sunday night game like the end of the season is a little bit easier we got the Colts we got the Bucks we got the Giants but I'm eyeing that five game stretch where yeah it's at Eagles at Falcons Redskins on Thanksgiving Saints at home and then Eagles at uh, Eagles at home and that's not going to go well. That's like maybe one in four. So I don't know if there's a if there's a bet you like. I feel like Vegas has just been bet up because we have so many irrational Cowboys fans. Like this under is really really intriguing. Mark, you, you love the Cowboys. What, what are your thoughts on eight and a half?
0: My thoughts on eight and a half are if like you change this from the Cowboys, like you said, to like generic NFL franchise and put the same roster and coaching staff and this schedule in front of somebody. Like an odds maker set the over under at like six or six and a half. Okay, yeah, I see. Looking at the schedule, look at the roster. I see no path here, to over to to a nine win season. That's like that's that's to me. That's not even in like the the far end of the probability distribution of how the season goes. I think it's much more likely that you guys win four games than you win nine games. So yeah, under here I think is like. Of all these overunders, we're going to talk about the the safest bet. Yeah, I mean, and the story
1: came out today. We offered a second round pick for Earl Thomas, and the Seahawks didn't bite, which is actually a bit of a bummer. Like I thought that would have helped us a lot, uh, at least on the defensive side of the ball, but and in the locker room for that matter, because we just like don't have any veterans. But anyways, Hari, <laughs> right. Cowboys, eight and a half.
0: I mean, I think you said it. I'm surprised that you guys are saying the Redskins and the Giants are going to be good because I thought they have the guaranteed four wins for the Cowboys. But I guess not. So, no. So I'm more looking at the at the out of division opponents. Like, oh they, yeah, oh yeah. They get okay. the NFC South and they get the AFC South, which like no teams in AFC South are like for sure world beaters, but like there's a lot of competent teams in that division. And then you go also to Seattle. Like, it's just it's yeah. just not good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like our flex games are at Seattle. And uh, who's the other one? Oh, at um, no, Carolina. I think that's the only one. Yeah. So, yeah, that the schedule is just brutal. I don't know what else to say it. But, anyways, all right. On to the Atlanta Falcons over under nine. Hari, kick us off. Local Falcons fan.
0: Man, I think it's I think it's tough because I think the big story about the Falcons now, right? It's like. The championship window is closing, right? They probably have like this year, and then that's probably it, right? Like we've been very lucky, to, like have a healthy team that like doesn't really, you know, make you know have a ton of issues, and then like you know we're able to do well and get in the playoffs two years in a row. But nine is a really high target because I think they probably push that number, maybe. But I think getting ten wins is, is tough, especially in an NFC South that I think is very, very good this year, and it's definitely going to send. Uh, two playoff teams uh, and I, I just think it, nine is, is a really really high number if it was nine and a half I'd say under but it, at nine it's probably a push I it's probably a stay away bet
1: yeah that's that's an interesting take where my head went was I feel like if you're gonna bet someone to like if you're gonna bet them on the over I'd rather just bet them on to win the division which I think is like plus 210 um, just because like I don't know, to your point, this division is very tough. If they go ten and six or even eleven and five, they're probably in you know, they're running to win the division. Uh, but you guys are just more or less running it back, right? Like I'm not missing anything here. Like you've essentially just taken the roster, added Calvin Ridley, lost Taylor Gabriel, and then run it yeah. back, and then like lost Adrian Claiborne, but I think I forgot who you guys brought in to replace him, but it's more or less feels like the same roster. And so, you know, it, yeah, it feels like the championship window is closing, but at the same time, you were, what, a first in goal, um, you know, down five to win it in Philadelphia?
0: A first, a, first, a second, a third, and a fourth in goal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the biggest, the biggest question is, like, for everyone, is, is Sark taking the next step, right? I mean, as offensive coordinator, he has not been great. Um, and like if he's not great mid season like if we start off three and three or something, like starts has There's no chance he sticks around. But I think the other the other story is that like this Falcon team just looked garbage in the preseason. I don't like to put a lot of stock in those preseason games, but like no one looks good. The team, especially without Julio, is like really, really struggled. And if there are any injuries on this team, I can't see like there's no one that's backfilling on this team. That's the biggest issue.
1: Yeah. I mean the other part I like you guys have a tough start to the season where it's like um, at Philadelphia Panthers at home Saints at home which and you know, at least the, at home um, Bengals at home but then at the Steelers so like what four of those five teams seem like playoff teams um, then it you know it softens a bit from there but I don't know that that's a at least you got some home games in there but. That's a, a tough bit to start and then three of your last four are on the road as well. So I, I like what you said, Hari. Like it feels like nine and seven is probably the right number. Um so I'm also staying away, but if I was gonna if I'm I'm actually considering betting them for the division. Because I think like if they're gonna go ten and six or eleven and five, they could win the division. Mark, what are your thoughts on the Falcons?
0: Yeah, I I think I think a lot of what you guys said I agree with. Um also a stay away for me. Uh, But I can easily see – the problem is, like, nine wins is probably not enough for a wild-card spot in the NFC. So I I think I think especially between these teams in the NFC South, it's going to be, like, really interesting coming down the stretch because if you look at the end of the Falcons' schedule, like, they end with two division games, um, and they have the Saints on the road in November. So it's like they they have that lull in the middle of the season, but I think they probably have to win – at least two, probably three of those first five, and then they have to finish strong. And to Hari's point, if you don't have a deep roster, it's, it's hard to be good consistently front to back in the season. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't love the, the, the number of nine, but I, I also don't think this team is going to win a division. So it's a stay away for me. I mean, but that being said, if this offense clicks like it did two years ago, and Hari, like you said, if it kind of starts clicking with Matt Ryan, like this team also has the talent on offense, to contend for a Super Bowl, so it's, it's, it's a wide range of outcomes for me for this
1: one. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, let's move on to something you probably feel a little more confident in, which is the Philadelphia Eagles over under ten. Mark, still riding that high off of the uh, off of the Super Bowl, I imagine. So, what 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 do we think about this Eagles over under ten?
0: I am riding that high, and like it's weird. I've never felt this way going into a season where I'm like very lackadaisical about about my team. Like I feel like the the way I feel, I was trying to think of an analogy for it. It's like if you're golfing and like you hit a beautiful drive down the middle of the fairway. You're like you're feeling good. You hop back on the cart. You know, you pound the rest of your beer. Uh, you're riding high, and then like you shank your second shot, and you like unleash a stream of curse words that you didn't even know existed. <laughs> like that's gonna be me in week three because I'm just gonna wake up and be like, oh my god, it's, I'm still a Philadelphia sports fan. Like, like, like Wentz isn't back yet. Like, are two of our top three receivers are still out? Like, I, I don't love where we're at to start this season, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Like, somehow in week one we're like super banged up, which shouldn't be a thing, but also kind of makes sense kind of given where we ended last year and having to play the extra three games in the playoffs. So I, I think our saving grace is that I, I do think that the NFC East is weak this year. Like I think, I think this number of 10 wins probably wins the division, um, especially if you handle your business against those division foes. So I, I think 10 is a good number. If I had to bet it, I'd probably bet bet the over and say we go 11 and five. But the schedule is just tough. Like he, like he gets lost these first place schedules are kind of a step change more difficult you know we go, we go to Jacksonville um, out of division we go to the Rams out of division and we go to the Titans like those are difficult road games um, so I don't know I, I'm cautiously optimistic I'm comfortable we get into the playoffs by winning this kind of below average division but I'm also not like I don't think we're going to go 14-2 and and be the number one overall seed so kind of where I'm at
1: yeah that's an interesting and obviously like classic mark take which is just like overly cautious and and conservative um but have reason to be confident like i don't know i look at this and like is there's a like there's like even with the injuries that you have there's a chance you guys go four and oh right because like maybe the the you know raising the banner and all that kind of stuff carries you through the falcons game just the adrenaline there then you have at tampa bay colts at home at the titans which like Find at the Titans, maybe they're underdogs, but there's, there's also likely that line's like a pick 'em. So I don't know if you're underdogs for a game until what you travel to Jacksonville, um, because from there you have the Vikings at home, at the Giants, Panthers at home. So I look at this and I'm like, there's a very good chance like they go 11 and 5, 12 and 4. The flip side is everyone talks about this Eagles roster, like it's incredibly deep. And obviously, you know, on the offensive line, I agree, uh, running back, I agree. But this wide receiver tight end combination, no. it's like, who, who's there? Like, Alshon obviously is, is out for the first week, maybe two. So then it's what Aguilar and Mike Wallace with, you know, you lost Trey Burton to Chicago. So, like, who, yeah, help me understand something here. Like, who are the pass catchers we're, we're counting on?
0: I mean, yeah. So th- that was kind of what I was referencing. So Aguilar has been hurt, but it's going to start week one. Um, and then you also have, uh, Matt Collins is kind of like our fourth guy or change of pace wide out. Who's also out. Um, and then, like you said, losing Trey Burton is actually a big deal because third, while he, you know, puts up points and creates space down the field, is not a blocking tight end. So there's a lot of game situations where you can't have him as your own, only tight end on the field. So I, I kind of agree with you. You're, you're relying on, you know, Jeffrey getting healthy, scrolls for a change of pace. And honestly, you're going to ride that running back core. Um, a good bit so yeah there's, there's gaps there's definitely gaps in the offensive
1: depth chart yeah and, that, and like I mean luckily your your defense is stacked like I like the Haloti Nada signing um, obviously Michael Bennett like can at least come in and play situational um, down so I don't know I look at this 10 and 6 coming back and say you're in an easy division if I had to lean one way I'm leaning towards the over um, just because like to your point we have the NFC South and the AFC South but the AFC South, if of all the AFC divisions, is probably the weakest, even though they may be relatively even across the four teams. So I look at the Eagles and say they're probably going 11-5 because the Cowboys, Redskins, and Giants all seem like they're below 500 to 500 at best teams. Hari, the Eagles, your favorite team? The other birds in the, in the conference? Yeah.
0: This one has bad beat written all over it. I like. I think it's very. I think it's very plausible what you guys are saying that they go probably ten and three to open the season, and then the last three are at LA, home for Houston, and at Washington. And it feels like they could very easily lose those last three and end at ten and six. Like that's the kind of like that is where that is. I would. I guess I wouldn't touch this over. I think. I don't think the. I don't think Philadelphia as banged up as they are, and like they don't. I don't think they really have the talent on the like. The, I don't think things are going to line up for them like they did last year. Um, I just... I, I would go with the under here. I, it would feel a lot more comfortable. Not like they have any, like, world beaters on their schedule, but I also, I don't think that there's, you know, anything special about this wide receiver core that's going to be able to, to sort of replicate the magic they had last year.
1: Yeah. I mean, the other interesting part that, to, you know, it's like... I feel like I've talked to Mark about this a bunch, which is that essentially, like, people don't repeat in the NFC East. Like... You win the division and then you play a first place schedule and then you end up finishing like second, third, or fourth. Like it's happened to the Cowboys, it's happened to the Redskins, it's happened to the Eagles, it's happened to the Giants. Like I don't think there's been a repeat NFC East division winner since like 2013 maybe. Um, So
0: yeah. I mean honestly that's true about every division, right? I mean there's only sort of one constant, that's the Patriots everyone else sort of comes in and out of their lives and, and you know, sort of passes them by. But, like, you know, the the, the ability to replicate success in the NFL is so difficult. Uh, so, you know, I mean, just on that alone, you should say,
1: under, right? Yeah, no, that's true. And, yeah, sorry, NFC East 0304, the Eagles repeated as NFC East champions. And that was the last time it happened. So, yeah. Um, all right, moving on to game lines. And of course, after tackling these over-unders, we've got the Falcons at Eagles, minus two, over-under 45. Mark, are you guys going to pull a Patriots from last season and lose at home, or or do you feel confident about this game?
0: Listen, we may well pull a Patriots, but then you also saw that the Patriots turned out okay. So (laughs) I, I think one of the things that you have to focus on here as an Eagles fan is, like, let's not overreact to this weird, like, banner Thursday night Nick Foles game. But if you're talking about betting, I think... Um, I don't see much value here on either side. Like, I just don't have a great feel for this game, which you can kind of say that across the board for, for week one. Um, but from an Eagles perspective, that the added um, complication of Nick Foles being your quarterback kind of clouds it a little bit for me. But that being said, like, I have to remind myself, like, Nick Foles is the Super Bowl MVP. He beat Tom Brady. Like, he's not going to be afraid of Matt Ryan on a Thursday night on the road. Like I like, they're forced to bet. Oh yeah, yeah. Give, give me, the, give me the champ. You know, like I, I think, I I just don't trust the Falcons. I, I that's a common theme on this podcast. Is like, hey, don't don't trust the Falcons team. You know, unless they're yeah. at home, especially. So it, I think two points. Call it a call it a pick'em, and give me the Eagles. That's uh, that's the best I can do here.
1: Yeah, I it's but I to your point, don't see a lot of value in this. Like the only. Th- like, the fact that it's minus two is even more frustrating. Like, I wish it was, like, minus three and a half because if the Eagles win by a field goal, like, okay, fine, at least you, you know, you cover on the Falcon side because that's really who I want to take right, here. Exactly. exactly. Um, so, like, the minus two is just, like, a, a frustrating line. Like, do I think this is going to be, like, 23-22 or 24-23? Or like, I don't think so. Um. So, you know, gun to my head, like, I still – I would take the Falcons just because – I feel like they're healthier. I feel like they maybe play with a bit of an edge um, with the hope of getting some payback against these Eagles. But then I think back to the fucking egg you guys laid as, as the Falcons traveled up to New England last season. So, like, that doesn't make me feel great. So, I like, as you can see, as I'm doing this podcast, I've, like, flip flop back and forth. So I'm just going to go with the over and say that, you know, the Falcons or the Eagles cover with a, a garbage-time touchdown. Um, so give me the over on 45. Harry, what do you think yeah, about this?
0: Yeah, I love the, I love the over here. I don't. I think you guys are right. I don't think you know with sort of this. Here's the thing: because actually both of these defenses have not looked great in in sort of the preseason. Um, they both haven't looked super sharp. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of passing in this game. I don't think there's going to be a ton of run plays. I think Sark's going to try and pull a lot of trick plays out, try to show that he's, like, taking the next step and things like that. I wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of a shootout um, in Philly. So, um, yeah, give me the over.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I, uh, uh, yeah, that's where I would go. All right, let's go to Cowboys at Panthers. Minus three over under 42 and a half. I'll get this one started, which is to say that somehow, like, I don't know how the Panthers are only favored by three at home, which is to say, like, these teams are on equal levels, but because the Panthers at home, they get the, you know, the, the Classic Vegas three points. Um, I've talked about this earlier, like, I'm a little shaky about this uh, this Cowboys team. That being said, like, I think the offensive line health has been a little overplayed. Um, in that we're actually like outside of Travis Frederick, like everyone else looks like they're gonna be geared up and ready to play this. So where I look to is the over on this line as well. Um I think the Cowboys get a garbage time touchdown and cover get the get us over forty two and a half. So give me the over on forty two and a half. Mark, what are your thoughts on this game?
0: My thoughts here are like copy paste from the season over under discussion. Like I don't I don't know why you're disrespecting this Panthers team that won double-digit games last year by making them essentially a break-even um, home favorite over the Cowboys. Like, I, I think, and, and, you know, we always talk about the Cowboys' bump. I think the Panthers are universally kind of discounted. They're a small market. Uh, people don't always like Cam Newton, those kind of things. So I, I think the value here is take the home team and lay three and a half points. Um, and, you know, that's one that I'd actually takes the bank. I think. I don't see the Cowboys winning this game all the way. Also, Simeon, what are your thoughts on is Jason Garrett? How long is Jason Garrett the coach of this football
1: team? The, oh my God. We talk about this all the time. Ugh. There's a scenario, right, where like the Cowboys um, like start the season off 0-3 because like we go to the Panthers, we get the Giants at home and then we go to Seattle and like if we're 0-2 going in that Seattle game, like do I feel really good about us winning? Probably not. So, I would like to think if we go 0 oh, 3, you fire Garrett, but like we haven't fired him yet, so I don't know. I don't inspire myself to have confidence that we'll do it. So, the clapper lives on, man. The clapper lives on. Hari, what's your take on this game?
0: I mean, it's it's an absolute block. I mean, Panthers lay the points. Uh, if you can buy points, you should take them here. Um, I don't I, like. I don't think it's going to be close, and I think this Panthers team is going to win this division this year, also. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I just like, I hate bidding. against my team. I, the Panthers minus three obviously had me curious, but I feel like if they're going to blow us out, then we're going to get past this 42 and a half as well. Um, you know, Thomas Davis is out for the Panthers. So like, I do think that's a big deal when it comes to stopping Zeke. So at least like maybe our ground game gets going, but yeah, the Panthers are, are a good, good team. And their biggest weakness is the secondary and the Cowboys don't have receivers. So <laughs> at least don't have to worry about that there. <laughs> um, let's go to the last game, which is the 49ers at Vikings minus six over under 46. Um, I'll get this one started. There's a lot of 49ers hype, um, both in like fantasy blogs and just like in general, are you guys, are you guys getting the same, are you guys reading the same stuff here? Like, is everyone real, real high on the 49ers and Jimmy G? Yeah, it's
0: c- it's because of Shannon. He's there. He's going to take the team to the next level. Yeah, but like.
1: I I don't know, like, he's an incredible offensive coach. Um, And obviously he's got a great quarterback, but, like, they don't really have that many weapons around him. Like, you're looking at Pierre Garçon, Marquise Goodwin, Matt Breida, Alfred Morris, George Kittle. Like, have any of us heard of any of those people outside of what we've seen in fantasy?
0: Here's my thing. This line has moved a point away from the 49ers ever since Jarek McKinnon got hurt. And like if Jared McKinnon was this, was like the keystone to their offensive plan, then it's it's not a very solid plan in my opinion. Like it's it's I, I think that Jimmy G hype is real in that like he is going to be a very competent, successful starting quarterback. I don't think this team is a playoff team this year though, and the Vikings I think are the real deal. So
1: yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, as said by everyone, I think the Vikings show up. Um, I think Kirk Cousins is an upgrade over Case Keenum. Um, they've got Dalvin Cook back. They've got the receivers. They've got Kyle Rudolph. Um, give me the the Vikings to cover this uh, minus six. To your point, I, 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 I the four ers will be good and they'll be better, but I don't think they're ready to compete with like the top of the NFC. Uh, Mark, where do you go with this line?
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much just said it. Um, I would also take the Vikings. I, I think you're a year or two away in San Francisco, and I think this is the year for the Vikings. I mean, honestly, like. Like they're probably like one crazy momentum swing in that NFC Championship game away from going to the Super Bowl last year. Like that pick six in the first half just like knocked them on their ass, and they didn't get up fast enough. So I, I, I think the team's right there. They only get better with bringing Dalvin Cook back um, and bringing in Kirk Cousins. Like, like I, the Vikings are the team I'm most afraid of in the NFC. So I, I'm not worried about giving a touchdown to Jimmy G and Pierre Gar- Garcon on the road. Yeah, I'm not worried.
1: Um, Hari, where do you lean with this game?
0: Here's the thing about Kirk Cousins. He sucks. He's the fucking worst. He's so <laughs> fucking boring. No one likes him. He recently just posted on Instagram all the books he was reading, like a fucking nerd. He's reading Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, bro. We all read that like two and a half years ago. <laughs> he has a photo of him wearing a Tottenham jersey, which is just the most
1: boring. Oh, that's hot. <gasps> <sighs> yeah,
0: the worst. He's, there's a photo of him playing dodgeball. Give me cheese out of your dating porn stars. Give me, give me Garoppolo. Line up. Give me the 49ers straight up. Kirk Cousins sucks. He's the worst. He's the worst person. I hope you listen to this podcast. I hate him. I hate you, Kirk Cousin. He's so fucking boring. He almost missed on a pass when he was trying to do a gender reveal. He's, just, he's the worst. He is the worst. I hate him.
1: That's great. I love I it.
0: He every get this season.
1: I love it. I love it. That's yep. Yeah, that sounds about right for how the, I imagine the rest of these podcasts will go. So with that, we'll uh, we'll let everyone get about their business. The technical difficulties will hopefully resolve themselves next week. But as always, gentlemen, another great week, and uh, we'll we'll get the full squad back together for next week. With that, we are out.